Introducing the revolutionary mascara from CoverGirl that adds extreme volume, up to 300% more volume than bare lashes. New Lash Blast Cleantopia is the plant-powered mascara made with 72% natural origin ingredients and infused with cellulose plant fibers. Cleantopia is like a green thumb for your lashes. For lush, check-me-out lashes that last up to 24 hours with no smudging, no flaking, and no clumps. Put the power of plants to work for you with new Lash Blast Cleantopia Mascara. Only from Easy Breezy Beautiful CoverGirl. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and equipped through this podcast as we have conversations with friends from around the world. You can subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own Adventures in the Spirit. And now we hope you enjoy today's podcast. Would you mind sharing some of your background, your history, your military experience, anything you'd like from... Absolutely. Well, I was born in 1900. <laughs> um, I was born in England, obviously, in a little place called Plymouth, where the Mayflower set sail from. Uh, a lot of military, a lot of navy in Plymouth, England. Um, I uh, obviously went to school. I went to boarding school where you get to talk properly, you know. Um, then uh, I always wanted to be a policeman. I wanted to be a bobby, but I kept failing the entrance exam. So I wanted to do the toughest thing I could possibly do, and I joined the Royal Marines. Um, seven months basic training. It was hell on earth. It really was. Um, I spent nearly eight years in Her Majesty's Royal Marine Commandos, Green Beret, Special Forces. Um, I spent a year of my life in combat. I was shot at three times, blown up five times. Uh, and my career ended, well, before I get to that point, I was a drill instructor for two years, and now I'm a priest, and I like to tell people I used to make grown men cry, and now I'm a priest. I still make grown men cry, so quite funny how that works. Um, but uh, so um, my career ended when I discovered that, well, I was told that three of my recruits had died in an IED, and I couldn't speak for a week, and uh, I stuttered very badly for six months, classic shell shock as it was called in those days this was in the late 70s and I was hospitalized just like Moses I was a basket case I really was it was it was a very rough dark period of my life slowly slowly came came through it um, did some very innate jobs and then I uh, came to America in 1980 and uh, opened a picture frame shop and that's where the healing begins if you like I'd, I'd had the store two shops actually for two years, uh, ten years, a bit bigger button, two locations. And one day a woman came into my store looking green. She actually looked physically green. She looked very sick. And uh, Jared, I was standing next to her and I watched my hands go onto her head. It was just, it was supernatural. Um, you know, you shouldn't, men should not put hands on women at all. But in this case, I just watched my hands go onto her head. And she looked at me and said, what did you do? The pain is gone. And that freaked me out. I was really freaked. Um, but it left immediately. As soon as I touched her, she was healed. So, ah! <laughs> you know, um, I go home to England, um, surprised my parents on their anniversary, uh, had lunch with my dad, 
we were speaking, uh, and then my mum brought more food in. And I said, what are you doing, mum? Uh, we just had lunch. She said, no, it was six o'clock. That afternoon with my dad was the closest I've ever been to him. And the time flew. We were talking about ministry. I didn't know that he had a gift of healing. And he was telling me some extraordinary stories about um, ministry. <clears throat> I don't know if we have time to throw one quick one in. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, there was one. He, he would leave Wednesday afternoons free. Um, and, and, and he would tell me what happened on Wednesday afternoons. It was God's time. He would sit in his chair and pray. Sometimes he'd fall asleep if he needed to fall asleep. But many a time he would be prompted to get in his car and drive. He never knew where he was going. On one occasion he got in his car, got to the end of the drive and said, which way, God? And he, he directed him through the lanes, came across an ambulance with the lights on. The ambulance driver had his hat on the back of his head with a map in front of him, looking very frustrated. My dad said, are you okay? He said, no, I'm, I'm going to a, um, I'm lost. There's an ambulance lost, this is pre-GPS. And um, <clears throat> the uh, guy couldn't find his house, and, and the guy gave the address and said, oh, is that Mr. So-and-so? And my dad said, yeah, that's one of my parishioners. Um, said, follow me. So he was chased by an ambulance to this guy's house. He'd had a heart attack and got there just in time to save his life. Wow. I mean, coincidence, God incidents, you know? Um, he told me many, many great stories about that. And then I realized that we were both, you know, I did not know that he was called to the healing ministry. And here I am, my first ex first experience. It really freaked me out, quite frankly. You know, so you touched on me and they healed immediately. So, ah. But the key, Jared, was that she said, what did you do? The pain is gone. And I knew I hadn't done a thing. So going from there, I knew I was being called to the Ministry of Healing. Um, uh, we I sold my business. I opened a home for healing in Connecticut at the Oratory of the Little Way in a place called Kent, Connecticut, or Gaylordsville, Connecticut and was there for 10 years ministering uh, a charity, um, which was an incredible time, a lot of work, um, but uh, there were no overheads, so uh, it was a, a shoe-in, it was just a hand-in-the-glove situation where I learned a lot, I prayed for a lot of people, did a lot of ministry with the diocese, was instituted by the, as a layperson by the Bishop of Connecticut and had an incredible ministry there. Out of the blue, one afternoon, I had four job offers after four years, between one and four o'clock in the morning, in the afternoon, four job offers came in, which was very extraordinary. One was north to Albany, one was south to Florida, one was east in Pennsylvania, one was uh, west in, um, excuse me, one was east in Connecticut on the shore, and one was west in um, uh, um, Pennsylvania. And it, it was in a perfect cross on the map. It was a perfect cross. It was really extraordinary. So we explored all four and the possibility of staying where we are, but it became very clear that we should move up to Albany uh, where they wanted somebody to run the Ministry of Healing for the diocese. And I'd already spoken there for several years at their main, at their main um, convention on healing and we'd witnessed a lot of healing. And uh, the last occasion I was there before I knew that we were calling, being called to go there, I'd led a, uh, as a layperson, I'd led a healing retreat for their clergy, about 25, 30 clergy came. And um, at the closing uh, Eucharist, um, I'm sitting there where the, the, the service is in, ongoing and the bishop comes up to me and said, I'd like you to preach. I said, excuse me? This is all clergy, I'm a layperson. I said, what well, am I going to preach on? He said, you'll find out in a moment. So I'm sitting there listening to the gospel like crazy because I'm about to preach. I'm not even a preacher. <laughs> you know? uh, and suddenly I found myself in front of all the clergy of, of the Diocese of Albany preaching. And, you know, one thing led to another and here we are. Uh, well, actually, after that, um, we were in Albany for 10 years. It became very clear that it was time to move. 
down here through the Welcome Home Initiative, which we'll talk about in a moment. But that, in a, in a nutshell, uh, very briefly, idyllic childhood. Go, went to church as a kid. You know, my dad became a priest at the same age as I was, which was extraordinary. Um, and God was nudging me and calling me throughout my, my years of life. It was extraordinary. Wow. Included in that story, uh, 10 years ago, um, I came down with the swine flu. I'd been in England um, speaking for the Royal Air Force, as a matter of fact. I'd been invited over by the British government to speak on post-traumatic stress for combat vets. I did a program there, um, met the chief of staff of the uh, entire British forces, uh, General Richard Dannett, and I had a great moment after I spoke. I was in my collar, he was in his general uniform. I'd never met anybody of that stature, you know, rank in, in the military. Um, and the guy standing next to him said, uh, Father, Father Nigel, I'd like to meet, I'd like to introduce you to, introduce you to General Dannett. So um, I uh, approached him and, uh, and he said, Nigel, and I snapped to attention immediately, even with my collar on, you know. Um, and he looked at me right in the eye and he said, Nigel, I report to God, the Queen, the Prime Minister, and my wife in that order. And I stood there thinking, normally when you introduce somebody, you know, put out your hand and he hadn't. So I put out my hand and said, sir, I like you. And he cracked up laughing. And this man, the chief of staff, Christian, wrote the foreword to my book on trauma after the trauma of the battle begins. Um, then we were, then I got very sick with a swine flu. Uh, I was in the ICU for three months. I had uh, H1N1, I was not expected to live. Um, I lost 68 pounds um, and was miraculously healed, or given life and yet another chance of life. Wow. And then we came down here um, after that. We've been up there for 10 years. It's very clear it was time to move. Uh, and God brought us to Virginia Beach um, because of the military, and because of the, the biggest military base in the world. And this, it became very clear that this is where we were supposed to be. Apart from the fact that the rector of this church was a friend of mine. And when we came down here, we'd lost contact with him. And uh, it was just, again, another hand-in-the-glove situation. Wow. So in a thumbnail sketch, that's my life. But if you want to read more, I've written eight books. So you read all my books. <laughs> yeah. I love it, yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you'd also mentioned that you were miraculously healed of the swine flu. Yes. Uh, would you give us like a minute of that? Like, how did that take place? Oh, absolutely. Or is that in one of your books? It is in, it's in one of my books. Um, uh, the name of it is Escaping, what's the book called? Um, uh, uh, what is the name of the book? Heavens, never mind. We'll get to it later. It'll come to me. I'm having a senior moment, people. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> very briefly, uh, I was coughing in England, came over here coughing, uh, did a program in Florida, uh, a film uh, on advanced healing of post-traumatic stress, as a matter of fact. Came home and that Saturday night, couldn't stop coughing. Couldn't stop coughing. Went to the ER. Uh, the guy said I, I had adult onset asthma, go home, gave me a puffer, went home. After four hours, um, I went into respir respiratory arrest, couldn't breathe. Ambulance came, took me back. For 10 days, I was coughing, coughing so badly I couldn't sleep. I hadn't slept for three days. So they put me in an induced coma, um, which I remember vividly. Um, and then uh, 10 days into the coma, they discovered, CDC discovered I had the swine flu. Um, I thought I'd actually had um, uh, Legionnaire's disease uh, because I'd been in a hotel in Florida where the um, uh, air conditioning unit was filthy and I thought it was Legionnaire's. But anyway, it turned out to be swine flu. And on October the 23rd, I had sepsis, MRSA. I'd been on 100% oxygen for two weeks. I had pneumonia, secondary pneumonia, kidney failure, liver failure, and one other thing. And any one of those, I can't remember the other thing, 
that any one of those could have killed me very easily. So I had eight things wrong with me, Jared. And the doctors all said it's an absolute miracle that I'm alive. There's no way. I mean, you can die from any one of those very... Sepsis kills people, you know. Mercer kills people. Um, but the funny thing was, when I came out of the coma, the first thing I said to my wife was, I love you. We were surrounded by doctors and therapists and all sorts of people to, to see how my brain was after being out for such a long time. And I was the first patient of two with swine flu in that hospital. The second one died, sadly. He came in after me. Younger, younger guy died. So I said to my wife, I love you. And then I asked the doctor, uh, the pulmonologist, I said, will I be able to play the piano again? And he said, oh, yes, no problems. I said, well, that's funny. I couldn't play it before. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they realized my sense of humor was still there. And I think it's increased. I, I, you know, having been through such a close shave with death and in, my, um, in the visions I had when I was in the coma, I, I know heaven is a beautiful place. No fear of death whatsoever. Pain, I had a trach, I had both lungs punctured. Had a bed sore, which is incredibly painful. Um, Five-eighths of an inch deep, two fingers wide, where my skin was rotting, and that was most unpleasant. So I've been through hell emotionally from post-traumatic stress. I've been through hell physically through the swine flu. Um, and subsequently to that, I had to have a hip operation, a full hip replacement, because of the amount of steroids I'd, I'd been given. And that was botched, so I've actually lost a muscle. I've lost my glutamus medius. So my wife calls me her pet um, uh, orangutan um, because I walk like a monkey. <laughs> but anyway, apart from that, I, I still have lung issues, but uh, I'm alive. Yes, but you're in the Ministry of Healing. Yes, and so how did you get by his, well, how did you start by his wounds ministry? Yes, well, it, it, after many years, um, we realized that when we were um, in upstate New York, that it was time to create our own ministry uh, and move down here and focus on the military. Um, I've seen healings of all sorts of issues, cancer, emotional issues, arthritis, um, and it became very clear that we needed to start a 501c3, and that was the name uh, we decided, BY, by his wounds. Our junk mail is B-U-Y, uh, by his wounds, <laughs> which you can't do, of course, um, which we find very amusing when by his wounds, we know that's junk mail. But um, so it was a matter of necessity. We, we started the charity, and the subcontact of that is the Welcome Home Initiative. Right. Mm. And I, I'd actually attended the Welcome Home Initiative in November of 2018 and saw it was a powerful ministry. And I shared with you what God did afterward and how I've got like no PTSD and no more medication, and then launching off into a, a diet, uh, the keto diet that helped me out, and then started exercising, lost 50 pounds and uh, doing the ministry, doing this. So my wife and I had attended, and it was life-changing for the both of us. So how did God impress this initiative of the Welcome Home Initiative on your heart to start? Well, first of all, my heart is really warmed to hear how God has healed you emotionally and physically. Um, it, it thrills me when I hear our veterans uh, responding to this program, the Welcome Home Initiative. So it was born um, by uh, talking to, having lunch actually with two of my bishops years ago, probably 13, 14 years ago. We were having lunch and we were blue skying as it were, thinking what can we do you know, to help people. And they tell me I brought it up, but they, I think they did, we can't remember actually, um, but they say they give me the credit, I don't know why, but I don't remember how it came up. But we <clears throat> realized that it was a perfect place, 600 acre facility. Um, and the Welcome Home Initiative was born there through this conversation. And uh, I, I got to tell you, the first one I did, um, I, you know, I was only a corporal in the Royal Marines. 
the first one I did, we had a Royal Marine Colonel show up um, and from England, we had people from Australia. We've done 38 of these things since it started. Um, and the first one was terrifying because I'd been strongly advised to do two streams, one for Vietnam vets and Korea, one for everybody else. And I said, no, I think we, I, I feel very strongly that it should be one. I don't want to separate the Vietnam vets yet again. We're going to do this together. And Jared, within the 20 minutes of the very first one we did, uh, I observed the uh, Vietnam vets grandfathering the young veterans, 20, 21, 23, age. I think the youngest we've had is 20 years old. But to see a Brigadier General, U.S. Marine, uh, grandfather a 20-year-old U.S. Marine, the Brigadier General had lost 800 men in one day. The U.S. Marine had lost his friend. He was chatting with him in, in Afghanistan, and suddenly his friend's head disappeared. Uh, both very broken men. But here's this guy in his late 70s and this young guy in his 20s working. Uh, they were stuck together through the whole program. It was fantastic. It really was. But, um, you know, I've seen some amazing miracles in my life. And I think the biggest thing we do is try and limit God. We mustn't limit God. You've got to give him all the credit. It's fascinating watching. What I love, I mean, sitting here with you, knowing you and, and having gone through the program and witnessed you and sit, to hear your story today, just, right. just that's it. That's my paycheck right now. And what's, <laughs> what's interesting, even yeah. what God has done mm. the last year and a half or so through me is um, I've always been prophetic since mm. I was a teenager. Mm. And then, you know, I didn't serve the Lord for a few years mm. as a teenager, but God was getting a hold of me. In time, I submit to Him. He's my Lord and Savior. Start growing. You know, I go off to war, and God was using me on the front lines to interpret dreams and visions of the, the Marines there that I served with. But within the last year, year and a half, I'd never really seen healing. You know, I've done healing prayer. I've done inner healing. You know, the prophetic, I guess, I believe that's all part of it. We, we oh, all yeah. have the same Holy Spirit. Oh, yeah. But healing of ankles, of shoulders, of other things has been fairly recent. And we've been walking in that in the last year, year and a half. Fantastic. Or even through, um, by faith, through text message, we've seen a few of those. Yep. Uh, which is that. amazing. Yeah. Uh, we hosted Todd White and the Power and Love team here mm -hmm. in, in September, of, yeah, just a few months ago. It was amazing. We've got other plans going in the future. So that's mm -hmm. kind of amazing how God has done that. I mean... You know, no matter where we're at, God still uses us. Mm. And I'm still a warrior, mm. and you're still a warrior, mm. but we're both in the ministry. Mm. And so when I was at your weekend retreat, I noticed that there was a Marine reservist mm. who's also a priest. Mm. Sorry. So that kind of got me thinking, why do you think that some of us warriors also become ministers? Mm. We could even be simultaneously ministers. Mm -hmm. So do you think that it may be part of our wiring of being a protector or a guardian or soldier. I mean, what do you, what is your view on that? Well, one word, recycle. I truly believe that God recycles us. We experience hell on earth, man's inhumanity to man. We witness combat. We see stuff. We get affected by stuff. And then we realize we want to help others. And God, I know, actually, at 9-11, I was working at, um, at, the, at the pile, at the... Um, 
the pile, yeah, yeah. The pile. Before it became the pit, yeah. It was still smouldering. It was only a month after it happened. There was still smoke, and the smell was horrific. It really was. Um, and it was at that moment, um, somebody said, you know, you've been recycled. So going through all the stuff I went through from the trauma of, of hearing about my guys being killed, um, and then going to 9-11, helping people, and particularly one person, a young woman who was in charge of the volunteers, was telling me some very graphic stuff that she had seen of people jumping. Very, very graphic, and hadn't processed it. And we were just standing there looking out the window at St Paul's, which is adjacent to the, to the Twin Towers. Not a single pane of glass was broken in that church. Nothing was damaged at all. It was covered in about two or three feet of dust. Um, and we were just standing there with the window open with the smell of rotting flesh, and, 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 and concrete dust. I shall never forget that smell. Uh, actually, the next day, I got in my car. Um, we couldn't get anywhere near the pile because of the military, but he got it in my car. The next day, I turned on the heat and got a psh, right, right in my face of, of this. So I had to pull over. I, I lost it. I fell apart. So going back to your question, um, I really believe God recycles us. And I know because of what I've been through, I understand uh, my fellow military. I know what they've been through. Um, and it, I, I got to tell you, Joe, years ago I did a program for the Catholic Church uh, for th uh, therapists and psychotherapists. It was a three-day program. I was the keynote speaker. They wanted me to talk about the gap between civilian therapists and military um, and how the military don't really trust is not the right word, but knowing that if you haven't been in combat, how could you possibly understand what I'm talking about? You have no idea. You, you haven't been there, done that. You don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and I spent three days talking on um, how we can connect uh, civilians, excuse me, lay civilians with the military to help them. And it was one of the most extraordinary experiences I ever had. But I had a flashback at the end of that program and was healed supernaturally of something that I couldn't even tell anybody. I hadn't even told my wife. I was so ashamed of that memory in combat. I hadn't told a soul. Even when I was in hospital, I didn't tell anybody. And I had the flashback, funnily enough, sitting at a table when the program had finished, sitting next to a Roman Catholic um, preacher, a priest, and ten other uh, psychiatrists and psychologists, and, and had an instant healing through God, um, through inner healing and healing of memories. He showed up in this horrific memory. Wow, yeah, that's it was amazing. Supernatural stuff. You know, honestly, um, you... There's a lot of depth. Oh, yeah. There's a lot more. There's a lot more. Know, That's so why I wrote eight books. <laughs> eight books, but I'm hoping you'll write a whole lot more. Thank you. Yeah. Well, the, the book I've got in mind now, right now, I don't think I'm going to do it, but I want to write a book, Things You Can't See from the Pulpit. That, that'd be great. Yes. That would be great. We need yeah. a little more reality. In, you know, yeah, we do. Yeah, absolutely. In the ministry. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're also the second person I know who served at the pile. Really? Dr. Jim Jenkins was a... Um, Bible college professor of mine. Really? And he was a Navy chaplain reservist, I mean, career Navy chaplain and yeah. then a reservist. He got called there. I've actually helped him huh. several years in a row. I'd get him to write up a prayer hmm. and he would write it up and then I'd be able to float that to Charisma Magazine online and they'd publish it. And I keep encouraging him to write a book about not just... 9-11 and being yeah. there for the recovery but also his life experience as he was a chaplain and you know all you know very deep like you so maybe you mm. guys served alongside each other probably did without even knowing without it without even knowing um two things that really that i haven't spoken about in a long time one was three months after 9-11 a woman came to see me and she said it's taken me three months to was it three months or three years 
I can't remember. Anyway, it was a long time after I think it was more like three years actually. Come to think of it, three years after nine eleven, she came to see me. Said it's taken me a long time to pluck up the courage to talk to you. Uh, and her daughter was a stewardess on one of the flights that hit the hit the plane, and to this day I shall never forget her saying that we were lucky we found her left forearm, and her wedding ring was still intact. Those words, we were lucky, just pierced my heart because most people were obliterated. Yeah. We were lucky, um, and they had a funeral um, with a tiny casket, with an arm in the casket. And I tell you, that really, really got me. Um, there was another thing I was going to say, which is, oh dear, I'm having another CD moment. <laughs> Hopefully that'll come back to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, your ministry hosts healing ser services, retreats, and other programs. Yes. Are there some, well, actually, we've already kind of covered, significant healings and miracles that you've seen God do? <sighs> during some of those oh, I mean you've been sharing quite a few already yeah 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 I, I, for the, as far as the Welcome Home Initiative I've got two big ones the Welcome Home Initiative there was a guy uh, we were about to start the, the program we were having lunch the program was going to start at two I saw a guy with short hair I assumed he was military I sat I said can I join you he said yeah sure turned out that he was not part of the program didn't know about the Welcome Home Initiative had come for a private retreat um, I got chat. I said, we're doing the work. Uh, we, we got talking. He said, I wasn't in the military, but I was a government contractor. My job was to clean up after firefights. Mm. Yeah, the mess. Yeah. The physical mess of people, what's left. And I could see that he was traumatized. And I said, I'd like you to, to come to the program. He said, well, I didn't pay. I said, it's free because of people's generosity. Um, <clears throat> is that you or me? <laughs> I hope it's not me. It could be me. I'm so sorry. He just signed him up. So sorry. I um, hate it when that happens. <laughs> I'm being called by the trumpets of God. No. <laughs> um, what was I talking about? Um, see the government contractor. Yes, yes. So, so this guy's sitting there. So after a lot of barging, come back and forwards, so I said, listen, I designed this program. It's my program. I want you to come. So he said, okay, I'll come. At the, As you remember, at the start of the program, we have people say who they are, where they're from, who they served with, but no war stories. Um, <clears throat> so when it came to his introduction, I introduced him. I said, look, this guy's not in the military. Uh, give a bit of background. And after I'd introduced him, everybody stood up and came over and welcomed him home like he was a combatant, like he was a, a fellow card-carrying, weapon-carrying military guy. It was fantastic how he was brought into the unity. Well, i got to tell you, the program went through. At the end, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to talk to anybody for 24 hours. I can see why Jesus went off to be by himself. Yeah. The stories I've heard are horrific. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm like a sponge and just, just ring me out, you know. Not in a good place after the programs. Um, after this one, I'm getting in my car and this guy approaches me. I thought, oh, no, you know, I'm done. Just back off. And in my mind, you know, he walks up to me carrying his um, backpack in front of him. He opens it up, and there's a 357 Magnum on top. And I said, is that unloaded? I took a step back. I was ready to take him out. You know, there's a most powerful handgun right there. I said, is it loaded? He said, not now. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, I came to this, pro this program because there were 600 acres. There's a nice hotel, but I wasn't going to blow my brains out in the hotel because somebody else would have to clean up the mess. He said, I was going to go into the woods pull the trigger, and that would be the end of it. Nobody would find me, animals would take care of it, I'd be done. He burst into tears, and we were both on the floor weeping. He said, you saved my life, thank you. Oh. Isn't that amazing? That was a, a, a divine intervention. 
of God <clears throat> saying, you know, an assumption, but God put me right next to him, saved the guy's life. Right. I mean, that's, you know, that to me, from an emotional standpoint, that's why I do this. If I can save one person's life, and suicide, we know, I don't know what the rate is, but it was 22 a, a day for many, for many years. Hopefully that's gone down. But if we can save one life, you know, right. praise God. I, too many of my fellow Marines, I think we had more died to suicide and even drug overdoses yep. mm -hmm. than we did when I was in, in Afghanistan. Yep. I mean, when I was in Iraq, mm. I was in Ramadi, Iraq in 07, 08. Mm. Um, and there are some IED attacks, but it's very minimal combat. I didn't see any combat myself in Iraq, but then mm. we'd had one guy commit suicide because of depression. And, mm. and then for 2009 Afghanistan, we lost... It was interesting. We had the chaplain. He had a Betsy Ross flag, 13 stars, 13 stripes. <laughs> While we were over there, we lost 13 Marines in my unit. Oh, my gosh. Then we'd lost, several months after being back, we'd lost uh, one more because of wounds from an IED and stuff. And then we started having accidents, suicides. I think we buried a whole lot more. I don't even know what the numbers are. Yeah. Um, that's why we do this program yeah. that's my desire because I've been there done that seen, seen the movie got the bumper sticker you know I've experienced it and Jared when I went through this in 78 nobody was there for me I wasn't I was in the hospital for several months and it wasn't until the day I left they told me what was wrong with me and I wasn't well enough to say what the heck's going on you know, if a fire alarm went off I'd, I'd yeah. explode internally it was never external internal explosion and that fire alarm registered with me because of what happened in a certain incident where fire alarms were going off after a bomb uh, where I served which was a lot of people were taken out and it was a hell of a mess wow. um, and you get you get these flashbacks you know you know about that yeah. <coughs> um, but to, to watch God when I look back on it you know it's such a privilege to hold a soul in your hand and and then hear the story, pray into the story, and then witness that person being healed. The problem is with post-traumatic stress, I'm going to use this word, haunting. We are haunted by the past. And I, I've got to the point where how dare the enemy, be it ISIS, be it Charlie, be it whomever, how dare the enemy have power over us and our marriages. Um, and it, it's time to, to rebuke that and say, right, no, I'm going to get on with my life. I'm going to live my life and I'm not going to allow ISIS Charlie, in the case of Vietnam, Korea, uh, I'm not going to allow the enemy to ruin my life. And I'm going to have fun. I'm going to enjoy my life. Set free. You know, Jesus came to set the captives free, right? Yeah. And, and this, is, this is the point. You know, we, we've got to come back to that. And how are we to know if nobody tells us? Right. So in inner healing, um, I'd love to explain inner healing. Would that be right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, what we do, it's very simple, really. It's a very simple process. We know that Christ is with us. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Uh, I'm with you always. So, and we have free will. We have free will to love one another. And we have free will to hurt one another. We have free will to love or to kill. The Bible actually says there's a time to heal in Ecclesiastes 3 and a time to kill. It actually says that. Um, and remind me, if you will, about that. I'll, I'll reinforce that. So when we um, come into these issues, when we, when we address these issues, what I do is replay the memory any memory, mostly the, the, a predominant memory from combat, we replay the video, and at some point we stop the video and we ask the supplicant, can you see Jesus? And it's very effective. The efficacy of that prayer is extraordinary. We don't know that Christ was there, but we see him, and that memory is totally reframed. 
totally refrained. And I've seen this in combat veterans, uh, people who've been raped, uh, uh, people who've witnessed horror, uh, car crashes. We reframe the memory where that horror, where that haunting is removed. They're not haunted by the memory at all because Christ was present. Often people see him smiling or, or with an incredible compassionate face. I've got to tell you the, another incredible story. Uh, three years after 9-11, I met with a very high-ranking Air Force, U.S. Air Force officer. Um, when I saw him, Jared, he was bent over. The burden on his shoulders was, was horrific. And I almost said, you know, get your stomach in, chest out, neck in the back of the collar. I normally did the drill instructor stuff, and I thank God I didn't because he was so fragile. He was a high-ranking officer at the Pentagon when the plane hit. His job, uh, a supernumerary job, was to rescue people. There was nobody to rescue. He went, when we did inner healing, he, he ripped his glasses off, um, pushed his chair back at the, the smell and the heat uh, from the plane that had you know, destroyed that part of the Pentagon. Uh, and then I asked him, can you see Jesus? And he turned his head to the right and smiled. His whole demeanor changed. I said, I see, he said, I see Jesus um, on, the, on the grassy knoll with his arms outstretched and weeping at man's inhumanity to man. And the next thing I heard, I, I pray with my eyes open because I like to see God working with people. And I watched this man, I watched his spine and I heard it go click, 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 click. Wow. Yeah, he came back to his full stature. The burden, you know, the burden is heavy, the yoke is light. That yoke was physically removed from that man. And he left that prayer session as a tall Air Force officer restored the memory totally refrained by Christ. That's amazing. Isn't that incredible? That's amazing. Yeah. I, I it's a privilege. something similar through that when, when I was here for, Good. for that weekend retreat. Good. Pretty powerful. The, the emotional burden lifted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, you'd mentioned um, a time to heal. Yes. No time to kill, yes. Ecclesiastes. Yes, thank you for reminding me. Can you explain on it? Yes, I, uh, years ago, I, I uh, was working with a young man. Actually, no, he wasn't a young man. He was a Vietnam vet, so he wasn't young. <laughs> um, he reckoned he'd killed at least 32 Charlie, uh, and he was Catholic, and he was broken because he believed he'd broken the t one of the Ten Commandments, mm -hmm. thou shalt not kill. The original of that is thou shalt not commit murder. Right. Big difference, you know that. Uh, I hope you all realize that too. Um, big difference. So this man came to see me, um, and as he was speaking, I remembered Ecclesiastes 3.3, 3, and I handed him my Bible, and I said, read this. And when he got to the point, uh, there's a time to kill and a time to heal, he screamed such an angry wail. I leapt out of his chair, and I'm thinking, oh, gosh, what's going on? I, I was blaming myself for pushing a button here. He went ballistic. He was furious. And after he calmed down, I, I, I asked him, well, what's going on? He said, why didn't anybody tell me this? Right. It's been 35, 40 years. Yeah. Why has nobody told me that, that you know, the perspective has totally changed? And in just him reading that and analyzing, the Bible does say there's a time to kill. And sadly, there's a necessity in, in defense. And this, this goes back to, you know, the second two people on the earth, Cain and Abel. Yeah. <laughs> right back, you know. It's extraordinary, really. Um, but, you know, another thing with post-traumatic stress, in writing my book, After the Trauma, the Battle Begins, um, <clears throat> the history of post-traumatic stress fascinates me. The first recorded history of post-traumatic stress goes 800 years before Christ, where ancient Greeks, returning from war, uh, 
the, the mothers, the wives, the girlfriends, um, daughters, noticed their men were different. And we think this is a new phenomenon. We think this just happened in Vietnam. This has plagued humanity since before Christ. And when I discovered that, something lifted off me when I was writing that book, doing the research for it. I found that fascinating. You know, we, we can, and the other thing is that some of us can, can process and go through it, but some others just get horrified by it and are haunted, literally haunted. I've seen, you know, big, you know, <laughs> Marines who look like they should be on the front of a magazine, you know, with chiseled jaws and, you know, typical Marines just crack completely. It doesn't matter. Uh, and sometimes it gets, gets us and sometimes people can get away with it. it it's extraordinary dis-ease. And I'm going to call it a dis-ease. And of course, we've taken it from post-traumatic stress disorder to just post-traumatic stress now, as, as a lot of people know, uh, because it's not a disorder. It's a dis-ease. And when you look at the dis-ease, I were haunted by horrific memories that reoccur that by the intrusive thoughts. You know, no wonder we wake up screaming. No wonder we, you know, some vets, you know, wake up with their hands around their wives' throats because they think they're the enemy. Yeah. And that's what breaks my heart. Yeah. That's why I do this. You know, what was freeing for me, I was doing some seminary studies mm. and I did a report on King David really? and what I saw in the Psalms because yeah. looking at everything he did from being a young man yeah. with his first kill of Goliath to some other things that, you yeah. know, are in the Bible. Yes. yes. And then you read the Psalms and you see his emotions and yeah. his up and down. Yes. You know, I was like, you know, I believe he had PTSD. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Now, I, I think Moses had PTSD too. I mean, he was a basket case. You know. Yes, he was. That is true. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, I didn't get credit for that report. I had to write another one. The professor liked it, but it was, uh, I don't know. I was going through my thing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I yeah. wrote this whole report. and lo You know, he loved it, but it wasn't the assignment. So, yeah. But it was I, very cathartic for you, I'm sure. It was. It yeah. was freeing for yeah. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and yeah. I understand the power of the Word of God. Yeah. You know, in, in my path, besides receiving prayer, being, you know, having faith in Christ, mm. is the diet, the exercise, and even spiking the adrenaline. Yeah. You know, that's part of, mm. you know, for why I'm in Krav Maga, yeah. spiking the adrenaline, Absolutely. you know, get those endorphins yeah. going, yeah. you know, yeah. pursuing the, the presence of Jesus. Absolutely. You know, I'm not one of those guys who said, you have to go through the same program I did, you know, right. with, but here, my process is all of those things coming together yeah. the last year and a half. Wow. That's terrific. I mean, you're a changed guy. Yeah. And this is what I love about the ministry because I get to see people who are really hurting. And then when I get to meet them again, you know, I've got to tell you, there's a woman who was cured of um, uh, a certain cancer that's very aggressive. Uh, she reached the five year mark. When I met her, she was dying. Um, the only person ever I met in a hotel room. Her husband came, a pastor came, and about eight people from the church came. Uh, she had stage four um, uh, pancreatic cancer. That's serious. Uh, five years later, I got a phone call <clears throat> saying, our car is packed, we're coming to see you. It's a 12-hour drive. Uh, and I said, w w wait a minute, you haven't, you know, I'm, luckily I'm in, in the country, I'm not out traveling. And they had my old address in upstate New York. They were driving 12 hours to come and say thank you after the five-year mark of pancreatic cancer. I mean, is that a miracle or what? So I had to say, well, actually, we've moved to Virginia Beach. They said, no, that's a 13-hour drive. So they reprogrammed the, the GPS, came down to see me to say thank you. Wow. 
Now, when you think of the, the ten lepers, you know, uh, the ten were healed, but only one was cured. And that was the guy who came back to say thank you. How biblical is that? You know, you know, we limit God. We can't limit God anymore. He does far more than we can possibly think of or imagine. So I want to encourage you with your physical, you know, the physical healing of the ministry, but also you'll recycle too to take veterans and, and you've learned how to do this. You can do this too. We can all do this. Yeah. In fact, my latest book will be out in April. It's called This Is Where Your Healing Begins. Is a book that uh, encourages lay people to pray for each other. If you have a child with a headache, put your hands on the, on the, on this, on this head or her head and pray. Either, either out loud or silently. Kids and pets are a piece of cake to pray with. Cats are a bit tricky. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to say, I prayed with a demonic cat that was healed instantly after a bit of a yelp and a scream. That cat was the nicest cat ever after that. It was extraordinary to witness. Wow. It really was. So, I mean, oh, the stuff I've seen is, is you know, how, how can I even put this into words? You know, God heals today. If you're feeling desperate, you know, call somebody, get some help. Uh, because this is not a dress rehearsal, is it? This is not a dress rehearsal. This is real. Well, that's my next question. If yeah. someone listening in to yes. this podcast is suffering yeah. from PTSD from a trauma, whether that's uh, war, abuse, or any other mm. trauma, what would you like to tell them? That you're not alone. Never are we alone. Jesus is with us always. That there is always help. Um, a lot of this issue is shame-based. Um I'm ashamed to get help. I'm, I don't need help. Um, I'm too stoic. Uh, I, I think one of the biggest moments <clears throat> for me is when I, I still suffer from PTSD. I like to say I'm 99% healed. My wife would say, no, you're 92% healed. Uh, <clears throat> I still sit facing the door in restaurants. There's a whole bunch of things that I do. I still freak out when people come up behind me. I still have an exaggerated startle response. And when I'm very stressed, the only person who sees me stutter is my wife. And one day I had the courage, and I was shaking because I didn't want to say it. I had the courage to say to my wife, Lynn, I'm totally ashamed of when I stutter in front of you. I hate that. And she said, I find that very endearing. That's what I love about you. Here, my biggest fear, my biggest shame of not being a man, of being stuttering because because of the past, she loved that about me. And something incredibly changed. So what can you do is to ask and when we're traumatized, we can't do that. If I'm triggered, I can't ask for help. Uh, so what I've done with my wife is that if I'm triggered, um, we have uh, non, um, <clears throat> non-verbal signals, like grab your ear uh, to say, leave me alone. Ooh, you know, the chin thing, leave me alone. I don't do that. <laughs> so that was a visual, you didn't catch that. But, you know, we, we have non-verbals to say, I need a hug, or I just need to be left alone. Let me process this. Um, there is help out there. Uh, if you're thinking, here's another thought, you know, we have this negative default where we go to when we're triggered. Mine is a black massive yuck just to the right uh, level with my chest. And, and I've realized that, you know, the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God. So when I'm triggered, uh, when I go to that horrible place that I hate, uh, I look up and say, thank you, God, this is reminding me of you. And it changes my whole demeanor. It changes everything. Thank you, God. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Yeah. Uh, so when we when we move from getting devoured by that black mass of yuck, this dark hole, and we look up and just smile and say thank you, God, that then does not have any power over us. So the question again, sorry, <laughs> what would you like to tell someone suffering from PTSD? Yes, yes, that there is help. That you're not alone. Reach out for help, uh, and and get prayer for um, inner healing to to get. Um, uh, prayer for healing of memories. 
but reach out. There's an 800 number, you know. Uh, if you're suicidal, please know that you are desperately loved. If you're thinking of hurting yourself, please don't do that. It's a final. Don't do that, okay? Um, because you are loved and there is help out there. I wish somebody had told me that um, in, in the 70s. I didn't know that until I've experienced an awful lot with veterans. But I know there's help. And we are not, listen, don't let the enemy win. If you're thinking of suicide, that's not only the enemy, be it ISIS or Charlie, it's also the devil saying, I'm going to take you out. How dare the enemy win? So get some help and, and pro get um, help in, in looking at the haunting memories that you have. So if our listeners are interested in your services, your resources, what is the best way that they can get your information? Thank you. Yes, probably through the internet. Our website is www, of course, by bywhiswoundsministry.org. Byhiswoundsministry.org. Or you can call um, the phone number, the ministry phone number is 757-496-0001. So you can call us. Um, uh, we don't have a 24-hour line. We don't have a helpline uh, yet. Um, and it may be a while before we can get back to you. Um, but please, if there's an emergency, dial 911. Sorry, 999 is English <laughs> emergencies. Um, so dial 911 uh, and dial a suicide helpline if necessary. And there's a military helpline as well. This is not a helpline. This is just a, a, a time when we can set up an appointment. It is not an emergency line. But we want to talk to you and we're here for you. You're not alone. I appreciate this, the time that you took for this. It's an honor. And I want to say thank you for the role you played in my life. Bless you, brother. But would you close this time and pray for someone listening in? Absolutely, absolutely. Can I just, I still can't remember the name of one of my books. Can I just grab it? Would sure. that be right? There's going to be a noise right now. I apologize for this. For some reason, I just can't remember it. Um, okay, the book is called, there it is, <laughs> Dying to Live, How Near-Death Experiences Transform Our Faith. Uh, my wife broke, uh, wrote a, uh, a chapter on what it was like for her to watch me die. And I wrote a chapter on how not to visit people in hospital. Um, the, uh, so dying to live, how near-death experiences increase our faith. And uh, yeah, there we go. Wow. So, yeah. And you had another question? No. Would you mind praying for someone? <laughs> oh, yes, thank you. <laughs> praying for our listeners who may be suffering. I'm getting more and more eccentric. Oh dear, yes. Father God, I do pray for all those who are listening in now. My dear friend, my brother and sister in Christ, you are not alone. The Lord is with you. I pray for any haunting memories that may be bothering you, the intrusive thoughts. Christ said, peace, peace I give to you, my peace I leave with you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. I pray supernaturally that if you've used your trigger finger, that the Lord would anoint your trigger finger with the sign of the cross to set you free from what you had to do to anoint your predominant eye for what you've seen, to anoint your ears from what you've heard. And I pray that the enemy will have no power over you, none at all. I pray that you will be renewed and resurrected by this prayer, knowing that you're not alone. I, I pray, just as Brother Yun prayed for me, he said, do not let your past ruin your present or your future. And I'm gonna pray that right into you. Do not let your past ruin your present or your future. Brother Yun was a Chinese man who is a Chinese man who was tortured for his faith for seven years in China, had both his legs broken. He knows pain. He was persecuted for his faith. Don't let your past ruin your present or your future. 
and dear brother or sister in Christ, I earnestly pray that the Holy Spirit will give you a new joy, a new peace, a new understanding, and that the power of the enemy would cease and desist in the name of Jesus Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be well, do good works, be kind. I know people have been unkind, man unkind, peace on earth, goodwill to mankind. What do we do with man unkind? We leave them at the foot of the cross to be set free. And if you have any intrusive memories of combat experience, I pray that you would pray Christ into those memories and see him there in those moments that we replay those, that history over and over again. May that history be given to Christ and left at the foot of the cross. Do you want the power of God to be evident in your life? Do you need to receive the baptism with the Holy Spirit? Are you curious about the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues? And do you want it in your life? My wife and I have a free e-course available for you called the Baptism with the Holy Spirit, where you will learn the biblical truth and spiritual reality of the baptism with the Holy Spirit. And you'll hear true stories of how people received the promised gift. The videos in this e-course will expand your knowledge and understanding of the Holy Spirit baptism. You'll be drawn closer in relationship with the Holy Spirit and receive prayer and activation into the baptism with the Holy Spirit. You can also go through it with a small group of friends, a church class, or a discipleship group. You could download the accompanying PDF for each lesson and apply the principles to your life and take the action steps. Your faith will grow as you read the scriptures, watch the videos, and participate in the activation. The gift is for you. The gift is for today. The gift is to empower your spiritual life. We know that you will finish this course with the divine empowerment that comes through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So start your journey today. Go to charismacourses.com collections and click on Jared Lasky and enroll in the baptism of the Holy Spirit e-course. Thank you so much for listening to our conversation and adventures in the spirit. We hope that this podcast encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. You can stay up to date with Fireborn Ministries by going to our website, firebornministries.com and like us on Facebook. And may you have your own adventures in the spirit. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawke as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts.